Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes, In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from Poets' Corner. Podcast 128 is entitled, Part 3, Milton's Paradise Lost, Wiles of the Devil. In Paradise Lost, John Milton analyzes the methods Satan uses to tempt man. Satan's second-in-command is Beelzebub. Beelzebub is a flatterer, an extension of Satan, an alter ego, and entirely gives up his agency to Satan. He is a mirror image of Satan. In this podcast, we are introduced to the second tier of Satan's leaders. They are Moloch, Belial, and Mammon. These three chief devils symbolize the primary temptation Satan uses against man. In this podcast, we shall analyze each one. The first is Moloch, the god of war. He symbolizes wrath, rage, hate, anger, fury, ferocity, and fanaticism. He is for absolute victory or personal annihilation. He is ruled by passion and personal pride and will not compromise. He is a destroyer. These are all attributes of Satan himself. First, Moloch. Horrid king, besmeared with blood of human sacrifice and parents' tears. Though for the noise of drums and timbrels loud, their children's cries unheard that pass through fire to his grim idol. The second is Belial. Belial represents subterfuge, lies, deception, machinations, conspiracies, sloth, laziness, idleness indolence, inertia, inactivity, negligence, ease, complacency, indifference, lewdness, vice, grossness, insolence, lust, drunkenness, and violence. Belial came last, then whom a spirit more lewd fell not from heaven, or more gross to love vice for itself. To him no temple stood or altar smoked. Yet who more oft than he in temples and at altars, when the priests turned atheist, as did Eli's son, who filled with lust and violence the house of God? In courts and palaces he also reigns, and in luxurious cities, where the noise of right ascends above their loftiest towers, and injury and outrage and when night darkens the streets, then wander forth the sons of Belial, flown with insolence and wine. Witness the streets of Sodom, and that night of Gibeah, when the hospital doors exposed a matron to avoid worse rape. Though perhaps less in power, equal in fame was Mammon, the god of wealth, who even in hell built a kingdom of gold imitating heaven. Mammon is content to remain in hell, surrounded by tormented luxury and precious bane. Mammon led them on, Mammon, the least erected spirit that fell from heaven, for even in heaven his looks and thoughts were always downward bent, admiring more the riches of heaven's pavement trodden gold than aught divine or holy else enjoyed in vision beautific. By him first men also, and by his suggestion taught, ransacked, and sent her, and with impious hands rifled the bowels of their mother earth for treasures better hid. 
soon had his crew opened into the hill a spacious wound and digged out ribs of gold let none admire that riches grow in hell that soil may best deserve the precious bane as we move to book two satan calls a council in hell which counterfeits the grand council held in heaven in which satan rebelled against god for satan is determined to continue his fight with god Milton describes Satan during Satan's private meditations as he appeared to the myriad of evil spirits who fell with him. They wait in silence as they observe their dread commander. Satan addresses the vast multitude of suffering spirits. O myriads of immortal spirits, O powers matchless but with the Almighty, for who can believe, though after loss, that all these puissant legions whose exile have emptied heaven shall fail to reascend, self-raised, and repossess their native seat. So as not either to provoke or dread new war provoked, our better part remains to work in close design, by fraud or guile, what force effected not, that he, no less at length from us may find, who overcomes by force, hath overcome but half his foe. Celestial spirits in bondage, nor the abyss long under darkness cover. But these thoughts full counsel must mature. Peace is despaired, for whom can think submission? War, then, war, open or understood, must be resolved. He preaches eternal war, not by direct assault, which failed, but by fraud and guile. However, he has invited an open debate on how to proceed in battle. But first, while sitting high on a throne of royal state, Satan established the rightness of their cause. More than can be in heaven, we now return to claim our just inheritance of old. Sure to prosper than prosperity could have assured us. And by what best way, whether of open war or covert guile, we now debate who can advise may speak. The first to speak is the warmonger Moloch, who would rather die in battle than wither in defeat. Moloch, a sceptered king, was the strongest and fiercest spirit that fought in heaven. He considered himself equal to God, and his despair made him even angrier. His anger made him without fear. My sentence is for open war, of wiles more unexpert I boast not. Then let those contrive who need, or when they need, not now. For while they sit contriving, shall the rest, millions that stand in arms and longing wait the signal to ascend, sit lingering here, heaven's fugitives, and for their dwelling place accept this dark, opprobrious den of shame. The prison of his tyranny who reigns by our delay, no, let us rather choose armed with hell's flames and fury, all at once o'er heaven's high towers to force resistless way, turning our tortures into horrid arms against the torturer. When to meet the noise of his almighty engine he shall hear infernal thunder, and for lightning see black fire and horror shot with equal rage among his angels, and his throne itself mixed with Tartarian sulfur, and strange fire his own invented torments. Like all the others, Moloch blames God. To Moloch, God is the tyrant, and God is the torturer. They are the victims, Moloch continues. 
If there be in hell fear to be worse destroyed, what can be worse than to dwell here, driven out from bliss, condemned in this abhorred deep to utter woe, where pain of unextinguishable fire must exercise us without hope of end, the vassals of his anger, when the scourge inexorably and the torturing labor calls us to penance. More destroyed than thus, we should be quite abolished and expire. What fear we then? What doubt we to incense his utmost ire, which to the height enraged will either quite consume us and reduce to nothing this essential, happier far than miserable to have eternal being? Or if our substance be indeed divine and cannot cease to be, we are at worst on this side nothing, and by proof we feel our power sufficient to disturb his heaven, and with perpetual inroads to alarm a, though inaccessible, his fatal throne, which if not victory, is yet revenge. Moloch taught that it was better to be exterminated than to remain in hell forever in a pain of unextinguishable fire. Better to die in battle than to suffer in ignominy of forced repentance. Even if they can't be victorious, at least they would get revenge. Milton emphasizes that the sons of perdition are in hell forever by choice. They refuse to repent, refuse to humble themselves or bow to a higher power, or to seek mercy. Moloch represents anger, pure anger and hatred, and inexorable rage. Milton is suggesting that those who riot or have fits of rage and anger have the spirit of Moloch, for it is an attribute of Satan to rage in the hearts of men, creating chaos and riots. The next to speak is Belial. Belial preaches what Milton calls peaceful sloth and ignoble ease. Once the fairest in heaven, Belial tells people what they want to hear. He appears dignified, but he is false and hollow. Milton tells us that his tongue dropped manna, but it was all a lie. He made evil look good. He rushed to vice, but was slothful to noble deeds. He pleased the ear. I should be much for open war, O peers, as not behind in hate, if what was urged main reason to persuade immediate war did not dissuade me most, and seemed to cast ominous conjecture on the whole success. Belial asks, what is the good of revenge if they are annihilated in the process? First, what revenge? The towers of heaven are filled with armed watch that render all access impregnable. Thus repulsed, our final hope is flat despair. We must exasperate the almighty victor to send all his rage, and that must end us, that must be our cure, to be no more sad cure. For who would lose, though full of pain, this intellectual being? Those thoughts that wander through eternity, to perish rather, swallowed up and lost in the wide womb of uncreated night, devoid of sense and motion. His second argument is even more compelling. He counsels to do nothing, so matters won't get worse. What if the breath that kindled those grim fires awakened should blow them into sevenfold rage and plunge us in the flames, and from above should intermittent vengeance arm again his red right hand to plague us? 
What if all her stores were opened, and this firmament of hell should spout her cataracts of fire, in pendant horrors, threatening, hideous, fall one day upon our heads? While we, perhaps, designing or exhorting glorious war, caught in a fiery tempest, shall be hurled each on his rock transfixed, the sport and prey of racking whirlwinds, or forever sunk under yon boiling ocean, wrapped in chains, there to converse with everlasting groans, unrespited, unpitied, unreprieved, ages of hopeless end, this would be worse. War, therefore, open or concealed alike, my voice dissuades. Belial argues that it is better to suffer present chains and torments than to take a chance on greater torment. He argues that they may even get used to their present torment and start to like it, or maybe their tormentor will take pity on them and reduce the torment. Our supreme foe in time may much remit his anger, and perhaps thus far removed not mind us not offending, satisfied with what is punished, whence these raging fires will slacken if his breath stir not their flames. Our pure essence then will overcome their noxious vapor, or endured not fill or change at length, and to the place conformed in temper and in nature, will receive familiar the fierce heat and void of pain. This horror will grow mild, this darkness light. In other words, under all the fancy words, Belial argues that they do nothing, and maybe their pure essence will adjust to the pain. I love the words of Milton in summing up Belial's argument. Thus Belial, with words clothed in reason's garb, counseled ignoble ease and peaceful sloth, not peace. The next to speak was Mammon. Mammon, the god of wealth, offers an attractive alternative to the fearful Moloch, who would rather be annihilated than do nothing, and the foxy Belial, who would rather do nothing than risk worse punishment. Mammon's open statement shows why he and all the other sons of perdition can never repent, never regain God's grace, and never leave hell. Suppose he should relent and publish grace to all on promise made of new subjection. With what eyes could we stand in his presence humble and receive strict laws imposed to celebrate his throne with warbled hymns and to his Godhead sing forced hallelujahs? While he lordly sits, our envied sovereign, and his altar breathes ambrosial odors and ambrosial flowers, our servile offerings. This must be our task in heaven, this our delight. How wearisome eternity, so spend in worship paid to whom we hate. Milton shows that Satan and the other sons of perdition who fought in heaven against Michael are unwilling to humble themselves. They are antichrist. They refuse to repent. They would rather reign in hell than be submissive in heaven. They are filled with envy, pride, and jealousy. Mammon declares, How wearisome eternity so spent in worship paid to whom we hate. Mammon offers another plan, more attractive than either those of Moloch or Belial. Let us not then pursue by force impossible by leave obtained unacceptable, though in heaven our state of splendid vassalage, but rather seek our own good from ourselves and from our own lives to ourselves, 
though in this vast recess, free and to none accountable, preferring hard liberty before the easy yoke of servile pomp. Our greatness will appear then most conspicuous when great things of small useful, of hurtful, prosperous, of adverse, we can create, and in what place so e'er thrive under evil, and work ease out of pain through labor and endurance. This deep world of darkness do we dread? How oft amidst thick clouds and dark doth heaven's all-ruling sire choose to reside, his glory unobscured, and with the majesty of darkness round covers his throne. From whence deep thunder roars, mustering their rage, and heaven resembles hell. As he our darkness, cannot we his light imitate when we please? This desert soil wants not her hidden luster, gems, and gold. Nor want we skill or art from whence to raise magnificence. And what can heaven show more? Our torments also may in length of time become our elements. These piercing fires, as soft as now severe, our tempers changed into their temper, which must needs remove the sensible of pain. All things invite to peaceful counsels, and the settled state of order, how in safety best we may compose our present evils with regard of what we are and where, dismissing quite all thoughts of war, ye have what I advise. Mammon argues that they imitate the light of heaven and build a heaven out of hell. He argues that they may soon become one with the elements, causing them to forget the pain. The other devils did not like either Moloch's plan, for they feared Michael, or Belial's plan, for it was too hopeless, but they wildly cheered Mammon's plan. The primary leaders, Beelzebub, Moloch, Belial, and Mammon, all represent different aspects of the wiles of Satan. They demonstrate the various ways that Satan deceives man. Beelzebub uses flattery to win approval. He is the alter ego of Satan. He praises Satan's every act, and even in defeat, he sees God as the enemy and Satan as the hero. He validates Satan. When he speaks, he speaks for Satan. He also symbolizes those who entirely deny their own personality and become slaves to another. It is excessive hero worship, giving up their agency, even their own personality, a parrot of the other, hanging on to their every word, performing their every will. Moloch represents rage, hatred, revenge, violence, uncontrolled passion, wrath, obsession, fanaticism, fury, bloodshed, and war. Belial represents sloth, ease, idleness, indolence, languor, contentment deceit, complacency, false security, self-deceit, and indifference. Mammon represents pride, money, showy display in the power of wealth, the importance of possessions and reliance upon temporal things. All of these vices are temptations Satan uses to deceive us and keep us as his slaves, to keep us from calling upon the grace of God. They distract us from what really matters and transfers our confidence in God to our confidence in ourselves, in others, in our wealth, and in our devices. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.